Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you. Well, hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? Okay. Um, as it has already been said, my name is John. I'm the worship pastor here, and I'm also a site pastor for our evening service. Um, I've got a wife, and I've got a little seven-month-old at home, which, uh, which I... I, I Really tried to make an effort today, put on, you know, nice clean clothes, and then realised that there's baby sick on me. <laughs> All parents have been there. You know what it's like. Um, so let's do a show of hands. It's just one week to Christmas. Who's excited about Christmas? A smattering. A smattering. And who's still panicking about buying the last gifts? Yeah, a couple, a couple of those too. Well, you know, maybe for, hopefully for the, however you're feeling, hopefully for the next 20 minutes or so, you can just hit pause uh, take a break from the festive rush and enjoy your time here. Although I hope it will be, it's either 20 minutes long or however long the candles last, which seem to be going at an extraordinary rate today. So it's a race against those. So uh, who, was here, who was here last Sunday? Anyone? Yeah, who enjoyed the carol services? It was, they were great, weren't they? I, I, I love the carol services. It's such a special time of remembering who Jesus is through some amazing words of Christmas carols. Well, last week at those carol services, we looked at God's gift of love, giving his son, Jesus, to come down to earth. And through Jesus' coming, we see God's care for us, that he would come and experience the pain and sadness and, and walk with us. But we also see that God's plan to set everything right in the world by eradicating sin, the evil, and death. You know, spoilers for Easter, um, but while we celebrate Jesus' birth at this point of the year, we do celebrate in Easter his death and his, his death in order to redeem all things by dying on the cross to defeat sin once and for all. Jesus came to defeat sin, the power of darkness, and everything that's wrong in our world so that we might have life to the full and life forevermore. That evil predominantly comes from two places, from the enemy, a.k.a. Satan or the devil or other words you might, you might have heard, and the fallenness of human kind of selfishness and self-preservation. And so Jesus came not only to conquer Satan and the power of the grave, he also came to change us, to remove the sin that remains in us, like, like someone uh, removing poisonous needles um, from somebody else, or someone going along a beach and picking up litter, cleaning it up, decontaminating us from that which ruins us. Sorry, I know it's Christmas. I'm already talking about the beach. I need some summer sun to, uh, to, to think about and about you guys. But if, if that beach was your life, take a second to reflect. If, you, if that beach was your life, is there litter on your beach that you need someone to come along and help you take away? Someone to help decontaminate what's in your life? You see, we could just hear the Christmas message and think, Great. Jesus came, died for me. I'm forgiven. I'm just going to crack on, do whatever I want, and Jesus will deal with it in the end. We could just think that, but there's more to it than that. More to it than that. Not only did God give his son his gift of love, not only is it a love that comforts us, but it's also a love that changes us. He comes to transform us. So we're going to be based in a passage from the book of 1 John in the back of the Bible, chapter 3. So if you want to follow along, grab out your devices or your paper Bibles, we can read together. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to help you find one to chat to us afterwards. Um, so 1 John 3 is right at the back of your Bible or just a little bit further down on the scrolling if you're, uh, if you're using your phone. And you can pull that up and it will also be on the screen as well so you can follow along. 
So let's read together, starting from verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The world does not know us. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you, might, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, uh, but the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Wow, there's a lot in there, isn't there? John, uh, John clearly isn't pulling any punches. And you, th- you might think, you know, why is it? Why are they talking about this stuff at Christmas time? Well, remember, Jesus came for that reason, to decontaminate the world from sin, to defeat sin in our world. And while it might be tempting to just bypass pieces of scripture that, that, are, that are challenging, it's better for us to really dive into them and say, what are they really saying? So as we explore that today, I want us to ask four questions that will come up on screen. Why is it important to stop sinning? If we sin, are we rejected from being in Christ? How do we stop sinning? And where do we go from here? So let's look together. Why is it important to stop sinning? To some extent, we've already looked at that today. Jesus came to eradicate sin and wrongdoing once and for all. We just read it in that verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You know, we all know that saying, two wrongs don't make a right. You ever heard that? And I'm sure we could all extrapolate that to three wrongs don't make a right and four wrongs don't make a right and five and so on and so on. Sin has real consequences. It's never going to, any amount of wrongs is not going to make it right again. And so God in his desire to restore the earth to how he intended it to be wants to remove this pollution from creation. Now for us, we've been called children of God, amen? Yeah, come on. And through Jesus' coming, we've been given relationship with the Father, and we've been promised eternal life. So in the meantime, between now and when Jesus comes again, we are being prepared. He's working to prepare us for eternal life. Our resurrection selves will be vastly different from what we are now. Although exactly what they'll be, we're not exactly sure. It says that even in our passage, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But when we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've got quite a long way to go before we become like Christ. So, well, maybe, maybe you're very much like Jesus. I think I can see areas in my life that I need to become more like Jesus in. So if Jesus invites us into a life of abiding in him, being steered by him, being purified by him, being prepared by him. It's a bit like this. How many of you went to a different country this year? Few, few of us, few of us went to a different country. When you go to a different country, you, it's, it's, it's sensible to learn some of the customs and culture and language. Prepare yourself for the country that you're going to. Or how many of us have had job interviews this year? 
Yeah, a few job interviews as well. We don't just walk into a job interview and just be like, oh, I'm here, it's me, I'm John, hope you hire me. You do preparation, don't you? You, you? you learn about the company, you do your due diligence, you prepare yourself. And similarly, we are being prepared for our eternity with Jesus. And so we should prepare ourselves for heavenly customs. And a big part of that is purifying ourselves with Jesus' help from the sin that lives in us. Now, as I said, you, know, you might be perfect in every way, um, but I know that for me, I've done a whole lot wrong in my life, and I'm not proud of it, but I'm comforted to know that Jesus never rejected anyone because of their mistakes or the things they'd done wrong. Maybe you're here today and you just think, I've messed up big time. There's no way, that, there's no way back for me. There's no way that anyone could redeem me. This can't be solved. No one's going to accept me. I want you to hear loud and clear Whenever someone came humbly to Jesus, he never rejected them because of their mistakes. Instead, what does he say? Come to me. We have this saying in the vineyard, come as you are. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. In other words, everyone is welcome. You don't have to pretend to have it all together. You, know, you are absolutely welcome exactly how you find yourselves. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Jesus created you with perfection in mind. He created you in his image and he has such a huge vision for who you are to be. He loves you so much that he made a way for you to come back to the Father and to come to him as you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. His longing for us is to have a full life, not a small insignificant life or a life with only part of the blessing that he wants for us. He wants us to have a full life, full of the blessings that he's come to give us and to be the best version of you that he created. And if we are to become the perfect version of ourselves, we need to partner with God to allow him to refine our hearts, our minds and our actions. If you've not taken hold of that offer of life to the full by accepting him into your life, then there'll be an opportunity to do that later. So we're being prepared for a future in heaven, yeah? And we are being transformed into the image of God. That's why it's important to stop sinning. And that's why John says that no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. And anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So does that mean that if we sin, then we're forever like rejected from Jesus' presence. Like, even if we do one more thing wrong, are we just like struck aside, right, that's it, there's no hope for you? Of course not. John is aware that as Christians, we will continue to commit sins accidentally. In fact, he lays this out plainly in the, in the chapter just before. So we just looked at 1 John 3. In 1 John 2, right at the start, he says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that comforting news? John's saying that if we commit even one more, uh, yeah, that he, he's, John's not saying that if we just commit one more sin in our lives, then we just are struck away from God's presence. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the trajectory of our lives, the patterns of our lives. If the trajectory of our lives changed from being God-focused to being sin-focused, then we start to remove ourselves from God's presence through our sinful and selfish desires. It's like, this, this, is, this is human nature, to get what I want, to get what I want, and as much of it as I can possibly get. 
But that's not the gospel Jesus has for us. You know, this, this human nature is a bit like a ruler who takes off their crown, goes around abusing people, doing stuff wrong. Uh, maybe they're oppressing people. And then as soon as anyone comes to try and challenge them, they say, oh, no, hang on. I'm the king. You can't touch me. Maybe you've seen examples of this actually happening in the world, right? Have you seen things like that and throughout history when people have done that? This is human nature to abuse positions of power for selfish gain. And it's the same when it comes to sin. God has crowned us with glory and honor and has called us his children. But we quite like to take off our crowns and go about and do our own thing and like kind of enjoy the things that we like to do and do more of those things. And then when things get quite desperate, we say, oh, no, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm your son. I'm your child. I'm fine. The bad stuff can't get me. And that's kind of true, right? That's kind of the gospel. Unfortunately, in our human nature, we just keep doing this and then running back and then keep doing this and then running back. When we're doing that deliberately, that isn't abiding in Jesus. That, you know, abiding in Jesus is trying to want to do our best to follow him, trying to move his heart, to care about the things he cares about, to live in a way that honors him. And if we mess up, we humbly come to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry. I really tried my best, but I accidentally did something wrong. And he'll pick us up and encourage us to keep going in his way, because that's who he is. Joyce Meyer, as some of you will know, she's an author from the States. She says this, I used to be a full-time sinner. And once in a while, I accidentally slipped up and did something right. But now that I have spent many years developing a deep personal relationship with God and his word, I concentrate on being a full-time, obedient child of God. I still make mistakes, but not nearly as many as I once did. I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Yeah? Are there areas in your life where you relate to this? where you might be taking forgiveness for granted in a lifestyle choice or a habit. Remember, Jesus is a loving friend who doesn't condemn us. Just come to him, repent, and release it to him. So how do we do it? That's our third question today. How can we possibly stop sinning? Have you seen those um, adverts for dog shelters? You've seen those things where there's like a dog carrying in the corner and it's immensely angry. And if anyone comes and tries to like stroke it or be kind to it or show it love, what does it do? Like goes Aah! and starts biting and like scratching. You know what I mean? You've seen those things. But then after a little while of receiving love from the dog shelter and from families, they are suddenly transformed and suddenly they show love to other people and they enjoy life. Do you, you, are you with me? You've, seen, you've all seen those sort of things, yeah? Well, that's, uh, you know, that's, it's like that for us. Before we encounter Jesus, we are far from being good people. But through the gentle, consistent way that God lavishes his love on us, we are transformed to his likeness. So if, God's, if it's God's love that transforms us, how do we enter his love? In John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me. So we enter God's love by listening for Jesus' voice and following when he leads. In our passage for today, John says that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we see him as he is. 
we shall be like him. AKA the better version of Jesus, the, the, sorry, the better our vision of Jesus, not the better version of Jesus, the better our vision of Jesus, the more we become like him. The more time we spend in his presence, the more we pursue his heart, the more time we spend at his feet, setting our eyes on his glorious face, the more we become like him. The more time we spend looking at our sin, even if we're desperately trying to avoid it, the more we end up sinning because the more preoccupied we are with it. But the more time we spend with Jesus, the more captivated we are in who he is, the more we enter his mercy and the further we get from sin. We also enter God's love by receiving his forgiveness and then forgiving others. We enter God's love by denying ourselves and our desires, not only once, but again and again and again and again, and humbly taking on his desires instead. We enter God's love by doing his will, by doing good, even in small ways like refusing to gossip or telling the truth or thinking about others before ourselves. Lots of little actions like this make a big change in our lives. So that brings us to our final question. Some of, us, some of you are cheering inside. Where do we go from here? For some of us, I've been talking, God's been prompting us about an area in our lives where we are struggling to get free from. And this prompting is like God inviting you to deal with something. It's not condemnation, but it is conviction that a change is needed. If you're in that position today, I'd really encourage you to tell someone about it. The Bible says, encourages us to confess our sins to one another and then pray with each other. That's how the Bible um, instructs us to get free from stuff. Today, before you leave, why don't you talk to someone that you trust about the thing that you're struggling with? Nobody's going to judge you because we've all had struggles in our lives and because we have a merciful God who delights to show us mercy that triumphs over judgment. For others of us today, we need to recognize our need for Jesus. Without Jesus, we are wandering in the dark, a slave to the person the world has made us and stuck, unable to change. None of us in our own strength can just try hard and never sin. None of us in our own strength can suddenly become good or suddenly mirror Jesus, be just like him. Rather, we must acknowledge that we are in need of a savior. We cannot possibly be self-sufficient. For some of you, you've never acknowledged this need or accepted Jesus to be your saviour. And if you'd like to, you can do that today. All he asks of you is to turn away from the things that you've done wrong and it will be wiped clean as you turn towards him and commit to try your best to following him every day. And in return, he gives you forgiveness, acceptance, status as a child of God, and he gives you his spirit to help you. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. If you'd like to do that today, we're all going to say a prayer in a second. And you can repeat that prayer with us as a way of accepting Jesus. If, you're, if you've already prayed that prayer, use this as an opportunity to just once again come before Jesus and just submit yourself and say, God, all the stuff I've done wrong in the past, even while I've been following you, I want to, bring, I want to forget that, move past it and come to you again and commit to following you again. So shall we stand together and we can pray? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.